in a town called Onslow. How many of you ever heard of Onslow, Iowa? That's what I expected. The town is small, but Matt's doing a great work there. Excited to have Matt preach for us during the morning sessions this week. All right. How you doing, junior boys? Good to see you. I'm glad to be here with you. I've been praying for this for months. I've been praying for you for months. And it's my genuine hope that you get a lot out of this week. It's my hope that you are convicted and encouraged, that you're closer to God than you were before you got here. And that's why we do camp. It's cool to have all the fun stuff like zip lines and bumper boats. They have bumper boats so far? Whatever else they have, all the cool stuff. That's, that's secondary. Why, why we bring it here, why we put all this work and effort into camp and drag kids from churches and, and do outreach and try to find more kids from neighborhoods to bring to camp is so that the Word of God can find its place in your heart. So, so I'm really glad you're here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what God does this week in your life at camp. Uh, my, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm from a town called Onslow. It's in eastern Iowa over by Cedar Rapids. And uh, I have a few children. I have like a hundred kids, it seems, sometimes. Go ahead. This is my family. I don't have a hundred. I only have four. Um, over here on the left is Katie. She's eight. And next to her is her sister, Anna. She's six. And uh, I miss them a lot, and, and they miss me, I assume. But uh, it's hard to be away, and I, I love them very much. My wife, Jill, there, the little baby is Danny. He is 18 months old, and he is actually helping me with my message today, and you'll see that here in a minute. And then my son, Jacob. Jacob, wave, stand up, take a bow, whatever. My son, Jacob, appreciate him. He's 11 years old. And uh, I just, I just I love, I love camp. I've been coming to camp. Every year since 2007, and every year uh, I get impacted by the Word of God, by the messages, and it just, it's, it's become a time in my life where I get to do business with God. I evaluate the way I'm living, I evaluate what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and uh, camp is one of the places where I just, I do business with the Lord. So I really love the camp, and I appreciate being here with you. Um... I want to talk to you today and tomorrow about the subject of sin. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask the question, how much does God hate sin? How much does God hate sin? And have you ever been in trouble at home and you did something small, something that you, you thought was insignificant, and your, your dad or your mom had to sit you down and share with you how it was not an insignificant thing you did, that you thought just... Not a big deal at all, but it was actually a big deal. Anybody ever had to be talked to like that by the mom and dad? The other day, my, my daughter was, was at a playground, and, and there's a playground across the street from our church, and I was at the church, and I go outside, and I call my, my, my two daughters were there, and I call my, my daughters to me, and they ran across the street without looking both ways. Now, eight and, eight and six, you know, I can forgive that. They, they're, they're still learning those things. But I had to sit them down and share with them what you did was, was slightly, you thought it was insignificant. You, know, you were just running. I mean, you run all the time, and it's not a big deal. It's just grounded in your feet, and you put your legs in front of the other, you run. 
So in their mind, not very significant. But I did share with them that there was a car there that could have been very significant. Looking both ways across the street is a big deal, right? So I had to, I had to share that with my kids. What they thought was a, was a seemingly insignificant thing, a dad had to sit down with them and share with them how it was a very significant thing. And that's what I kind of want to do with you over the next couple days at camp, is, is look at sin. And sometimes we fall into this trap of thinking that sin is not a big deal. It's just... It's just something that you do. You yell at your sister. You, 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 might, uh, you might swipe something now and then. Or, or uh, you know, have you ever, uh, maybe I shouldn't share this, but uh, have, you ever, like, um, have you ever gotten alone and, and tried out bad words? Like, like, you're all alone, no one's listening. Beep, 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 beep. You know, is that significant or insignificant? It's pretty significant. It's a big deal to, to get into that habit of swearing. Sometimes kids don't think it's a, it's a significant thing. But what I want to do over the next couple of days is share with you uh, how much God hates sin. How much God hates sin so that we could have a good grasp on the way God looks at us, the way God wants us to live our lives, so that we don't think that something that is huge, significant deal is actually something small and insignificant. There's a passage in Scripture in Zechariah chapter 3, where this is a man named Joshua the high priest. This is a vision that Zechariah the prophet has. And there's a man named Joshua the high priest who is having, he's having, he's in front of God. He's talking to God. And the, the description has Joshua clothed in filthy rags. Up here on the screen is Zechariah 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to read it and you follow along, please. It says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him. Now the angel of the Lord stood by. So Joshua the high priest is in heaven, and when he stands before God, what's he clothed in? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. You know what that, what that word, filthy, means in the Hebrew? It means... Something very, very disgusting. Very gross. Uh, did you know that like about a generation, maybe a t- couple generations before you, a generation before me, they used to use cloth diapers on babies? Can you imagine cloth diapers on babies? You got to take the diaper off. You got to empty its contents and put it in the wash. How many of you do laundry at your house? Would you like to do laundry of cloth used baby diapers? The word translated filthy garments is essentially cloth diapers. Use dirty cloth diapers. So to illustrate this, I had my son, who was 18 months, help me. And uh, I very bravely took some samplings of my son's, and I, and I brought it with me to camp. You want to see it? It is not easy to suffer a car ride 
with the garbage bag. Here. I got some tongs because I don't want to touch them. Woo! There you go. That, that word, filthy garments, is essentially this. You guys, you guys probably smell this in the front rows, can't you? It is not, it is not pleasant. The other, the other day, hey, calm down, please. The other day I was getting ready for church, and right before church, my, my son, uh, Danny, who was 18 months, exploded. <laughs> All right? And, and we had to clean him up, and it was right before church. So there I am in my Sunday, oh, man, I can't even talk around this thing. So there I am in my Sunday's best, suit and tie, and I'm cleaning up an explosion of a child. Do you understand what I mean? You, you catch what I'm saying, you're picking up what I'm laying down. So this is, so when, the, so when the Hebrew says filthy garments, the Hebrew can be translated as this, all right? Now how many of you enjoy being around something like this? If I were to toss this out there, let me try it again. All right, now, first, first of all, hold on. First of all, I don't know why you would want this, but this, is, this, this should be something that's a little bit offensive to you. So, woo! Oh. All right. So, think about this for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Excuse me. Oh, whoa, it opens. Yikes. I'm going to need a shower after this. All right, so I want you to think about this here. The illustration that's being given to us in Zechariah chapter 3 is that Joshua, the high priest, is clothed in this. All right, full disclosure, those are filled with water. I wouldn't actually bring a, a used, soiled, dirty diaper to camp. It's just water. It's nothing to worry about. But the description is very clear. Zechariah, the high priest, as he stands before God, is clothed in what? Filthy garments. Now think about this. By the way, why are there so many hecklers at Junior Boys? I'm surprised at how many people heckle speakers at Junior Boys. You think about that? Oh, I want the dirty diaper. Who threw it to me? That sounds great. You know what I'm going for. Let's, uh, let's be respectful, please. So there we go. Example of a heckler. No heckling, please. Thank you. All right, so, so think about this. Joshua the high priest is from the nation of what? Israel. Israel is the holiest nation in the world. The one that knows God the most, the most godly nation in the world. Joshua the high priest, he's the high priest. He's in charge of all the other priests. The priests are in charge of religion. Joshua is the holiest man in Israel. Israel is the holiest nation in the world, and that's in your notes. Joshua is the holiest man in Israel. Israel is the holiest nation in the world. But still, as he stands before God, he's clothed with filthy garments. And the Hebrew is saying that it is not just filthy. It's not just like oil-soaked rags. It is as sick of a thing as you can be around, as you can imagine. It is the contents of a dirty diaper. That is what the Hebrew is saying there. And I want you to think about this. What does that say about Joshua? He's the holiest man in Israel, the holiest nation in the world. 
and he stands before God clothed in filthy rags. Gentlemen, I want you to understand that when you stand before God without Christ, you are like this, clothed in filthy rags. And this imagery comes up over and over in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 64, it says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And again, the same Hebrew word, meaning the most disgusting thing you can, you can imagine. I was, uh, a, few, a few months ago, I was in my house. Does anybody have a dog? And, and you know when your dog's about to puke, right? They make that, they make that noise. And then you got to go, you got to act real fast. Um, my, my dog, unfortunately, sometimes gets into what is scientifically, scientifically called caprophagia. Does anybody know what caprophagia is? Anybody heard that word before? It is when an animal eats its own droppings. If you have a hamster, anybody have a hamster? A few of you? If you have a hamster, hamsters, a part of their diet is caprophagia. And, and if you keep your hamster cage really clean, that'll actually hurt their diet. You need to have it a little bit dirty so that they can dabble into caprophagia. You're picking up what I'm laying down. So my dog, lovingly, wonderful dog, named Rowdy, I should have brought a picture of him, goes outside and dabbles in caprophagia. And he comes inside, and about an hour later, I hear this noise. And, and, and I've heard it before, and I try to get him onto the, the wood. We have hardwood, and we have a carpet in our house, but he doesn't want to go on the hardwood, stay on the carpet. And then he lets loose. He pops. And what he left behind, ladies and gentlemen, was the darkest moment of my life. It was, it was outside leavings, been inside for an hour, and then outside onto our nice off-white carpet I have in my living room. So what was my reaction? Honey, I need you to clean this up. Make me a sandwich while you're doing it. And, uh, and no, that obviously wasn't my reaction. I had to, to get there and I had to clean that up. And I've never in my life come across anything so foul, so awful, so disgusting. What do you think as, and when you clean it up, as I'm sure some of you have to do, you have to get down on the floor and you have to get uh, paper towels and you have to get acquainted with the thing that you're cleaning up, right? And it was not a pleasant experience. I'm trying to put on a brave face. I'm trying to be the man in my house and, and clean up this mess. But what do you think my, is going on in the back of my mind? My, what, do you think, what do you think is going on in my body? My whole body screaming to me, no, don't do this. Don't get close to it. Don't pick it up. No. Oh, it was, it was the most... It was the most nauseating thing I've ever seen, ever had to deal with. And here I am, brave, manly guy, trying to clean it up. You think about the violent reaction that you can have when you're faced with something like that. Like when I threw that diaper out here, a lot of you scattered. You're like, no, because the contents of that diaper is physically offensive to you. 
Your body wants to reject it. And when I was cleaning up that mess, my body was rejecting the very act that I was engaged in. My body was screaming at me to not do it. Your body rejects being around those things because by your nature, that is offensive to you. This passage says the holiest man in Israel, according to God's nature, was, is offensive to God and covered in filthy garments. I want you to think about this. The way you reject having to clean up a mess like that is the same imagery that God uses when he talks about you if you don't have Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're covered in filthy garments, if you're not clean, if you're not forgiven, God will reject you. Do you understand this? Do you understand what I'm saying? The way you, the way you by nature, just reject having to do something like that is the same way God, by his nature, and his nature is holy, his nature is one that hates sin, will reject you without Christ. I was, uh, I was lost in my notes. Okay, I remember now. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever seen a pig in a pig pen? Do you know some people, do you know some people have pigs as pets? And anybody here have a pig as a pet? Really? Because I don't want to offend you with what I'm about to say. Uh, one of you, okay, I'll try to be sensitive. Some people will go so far as to have a pig as a pet. A pig in a pen, pig pen you've seen, they're, they're covered in their own droppings and, and mud and slime. What would have to happen if you were to bring a pig like that into your house? What would have to happen first? You'd have to wash it up, right? Take it in the back, hose it down. And then maybe if you were of the right mind and you wanted a pig as a pet, you could let that pig into your house. I want you to think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, gentlemen, there's no ladies here. I keep saying ladies and gentlemen. I want you to think about this, gentlemen. Before you can go into God's house, which is heaven, you have to be cleaned up. You have to be washed. Your sin has to be washed. God hates sin so much he can't look on it. He can't have it in his house. Just like you can't have that pig that's messy and dirty into your house. Unless it's washed up. Your sin has to be washed up. Your sin has to be dealt with. We go on to the end of this passage here. Joshua is standing before God. And in verse 4 it says, Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, see, I've removed your iniquity. That means sin. I've removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So Joshua the high priest, holiest man in Israel, holiest nation in the world, is standing before God, clothed in filthy garments, and God takes away the filthy garments from him and gives him clean rags. And this is to illustrate our place before God. If you sin, as you do, then you stand before God filthy, covered in something that God will reject. And if you get serious about this, this is a very sobering thought. This is very serious. What's going to happen to you when this life is over? Are you going to be cleaned up? Are you going to be able to stand before God clean? Uh, Joshua the high priest was given new garments and, and rich robes and a clean turban. And it's this idea that his iniquity was covered. It was, it was gone. He now stands before God 
pure. When it comes to your standing before God, are you right with God? Are you clean with God? Or are you covered in sin? If you stand before God in sin, ladies and gentlemen, God will reject you. God will reject you. What do you think about that? Isn't that a sobering thought? I hope it is. When I, uh, when I have the opportunity, I like to talk to people individually about salvation. And it comes up at church, and, and I'm a pastor, and sometimes someone will say, what must I do to be saved? How, how, do, how do I go about this process? And some people just think, not a big deal, and they don't even ask that question. Have you ever asked yourself, or a Christian friend, or, or mom and dad, or a Christian relative, or your pastor, what does it take to be saved? And have you walked through the process of salvation, accepting Christ, knowing that uh, he died on the cross for your sin, and, and you are forgiven if you believe in him? John three sixteen. whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you asked anybody about this process? Or have you taken this seriously? If not, I want you to consider this week is the week to do that. This week is the time that you're going to set aside a few minutes talking to a counselor, talking to uh, a speaker, talking to uh, someone at camp, an adult, about what must I do to be saved? What must I do to stand before God clean and forgiven? When you reject this idea and you think it's just a, just some, some black and white religion, just something, just a concept you heard in camp or, or just a concept you heard in church. It's not a big deal. It doesn't affect you. I want you to imagine you standing before God, clothed in filthy garments. God is so offended by that, he rejects it. What would it take for you to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, for you to stand before God forgiven and clean? And, and, and that is essentially the message that I want you to get this week at camp. What must I do to be saved? Tomorrow we're going to look at this again, what, how big of a deal sin is. And, uh, and I, hope, I hope you're listening. I hope, I hope the word of God is making its way into your heart. Let's pray.